Welcome to the first podcast of 2023 for Java with Jim, your weekly espresso shot of all things non-financial markets. I'm Jim Clare, and I am sponsored today by Double Eagle Partners, LLC, concierge asset manager, specializing in middle market wealth management. As we begin 2023, and my first year, full year, with my partners on the journey with Double Eagle Partners, I'm so excited to soar with you on this journey. I must admit, I stole that soar from my best friend, Billy Burke, who came up with that a couple of weeks ago. Um, again, I can't thank you all enough for your support and helping me launch my dream of my own registered investment advisory firm. I'm humbled by your trust in me, and I will always be here for you. So here are my high thoughts, high-level high thoughts on the markets and sectors that I want to focus on in 2023. This is where we really stand starting out in 2023. 2022 was a nightmare. We had historic inflation acceleration from the Fed telling us that it was just transitory to not transitory to the fastest rate hikes in 40 years. Finally, the economy started to show signs of weakness in the third and fourth quarter. However, the White House said that this was not a recession. Inflation peaked probably sometime in the early fourth quarter, and the Fed has started to tap the brakes to slow the economy by raising it with historic three 75 basis point interest rate hikes in a row. Never been. So that's kind of where we stand right now as we start 2023. So what do I think is going to happen over the next couple weeks and months? Um, I do believe the economy is going to start slow. I also think that we're going to see inflation start to slow as well. I think the supply chain issues that we suffered through in 2022 have alleviated themselves. Inventory buildups are rather huge at corporations and retailers, and they're going to have to discount to get those inventory buildups out the door. That'll probably make the Fed start to mitigate their rate hikes probably at the next FOMC meeting, where we'll probably jump down to 25 basis points, which is pretty historic when you think about it. We went from 75 basis points four times, uh, then 50, then 25. Um, it's Pretty much um, pretty quick turnaround. Now, is it a pivot? Probably not a pivot. Um, but by the time they get around to that, we'll probably be in the depths of a recession for 2023. The question is, how deep is that recession going to be? Or will the Fed be able to orchestrate more or less a soft landing and not have a deep recession? That's probably the case, I think. Um, does that mean the Fed's going to turn around and stop raising rates and start lowering them? Probably not in 2023, but definitely come 2024, when I would expect the economy would start to recover nicely, and it could be real interesting for all markets going forward. We'll get to a better normal level of interest rates, and the stock market will have repriced itself to much more normal levels, which we'll talk about in a few minutes with regards to PEs, and it might be off to the races again in 2024. So here's where I'm kind of situating all my clients right now with regards to um, strategy and what I think is going to happen in 2023. Um, obviously, we just talked about inflation and rising interest rates. I think they're going to continue to dominate, and that will dominate my sector selection in 2023. Sectors that I'm planning on focusing on will be more bonds, especially floating rate notes, 
and probably using a lot of U.S. Treasury tips, the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Um, both of those can be accessed through ETFs, low-cost ETFs, uh, floating rate notes. You can do FLOT, uh, tips, you can do TIP. Um, within the fixed income space, though, I'm going to focus less on corporate bonds, as I believe this recession that's looming would hurt corporate earnings and therefore corporate credit. And I think you'd see a widening in spreads. So I don't really think that would be a great spot to invest in right now. However, I do like short duration assets, especially with this inverted yield curve. You can get two-year fixed income assets now yielding around 4%. Um, that's pretty good. There's some ultra-short bond funds out there, um, JPSTs, one ticker in the ETF world, um, that I think really offers a nice value. 4% um, dividend yield um, should take advantage of these raising, rising interest rates, um, and that should probably hold out for the rest of the year as well. I'm also expecting to overweight exposure to commodities. Commodities did very well in 2022. I expect them to do even better in 2023. One of the big laggards, uh, if you can call it a laggard, uh, was gold in 2022. Um, it was up 1.5% um, in 2022 when all the other precious metals, platinum, silver in particular, had a really good year. Um, and all the rare earth minerals uh, and metals had tremendous rallies. Um, while all the commodities were rallying, gold seemed to be on the back burner. Um, I think one of the reasons um, it was overlooked for its ability to be an inflation hedge, and everybody missed the fact that central banks were loading up on gold in 2022. I just saw a number the other day that Chinese central bank bought 30,000 tons of gold in the fourth quarter. So therefore, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see miners and material handlers who had been avoiding the gold market and focusing on the battery elements, lithium, uranium, cobalt, and such like that, are going to pivot and start looking at gold. Um, so therefore, I like the gold ETF, GLD, or the iShares one, IAU. I also like the gold miners. The ETF is GDX. And then just other mineral and metal and materials manufacturers, there's a good ETF, MXI, um, GNR uh, for Global Natural Resources. Um, if you want broad exposure to all commodities right here, I really like COMT, good commodity ETF. And lastly, there's another ETF out there that has, did all right in 2022. I expect it to do better going forward. BATT for batteries. Um, invests in all sorts of companies that are affiliated in any such way with battery production for electric vehicles, which we all know are going to be big. As I mentioned with this looming recession, I would expect that corporate earnings should decline on an inflation-adjusted basis with this recession, and I expect that will bring P.E. ratios back into more historical norm of 16 and a half, 17 times from the 24 times that they had been trading at the beginning of 22. Um, so therefore, stocks right now are cheaper than they had been, but they're still a little bit expensive compared to historical levels. Um, so I would wait for P.E. ratios to come back down under 17. Um, like I said, 16 and a half long-term average. And that's when we would start to look for coming out of the recession and being able to back up and load up the boat on equity. In the meantime, I want to focus on dividend-paying stocks, 
Um, there's a lot of good old-fashioned blue-chip value stocks out there that are paying some amazing dividends right now. Um, names like Verizon, you know, in excess of 6% dividend yield. Um, Microsoft's paying a very, very nice dividend. In the energy space, um, Diamondback is paying, you know, ticker F-A-N-G, FANG. They're paying a very nice dividend in excess of 6 or 7%. Um, I think these companies are ones to focus on because they're healthy enough to continue paying those strong dividends through what we've been going through. And I expect them to come out the other side of this, being able to continue to pay those dividends. But if we can buy them at the prices we can buy them at now or in the next couple of months, it's really going to be a big win. If you don't want to get specific and pick individual names that should do well from a dividend paying standpoint, such as the ones I mentioned or Exxon, um, you can also look just at some dividend-paying ETFs. Um, SPYD and DVY are two very good ETFs that focus on dividend-paying equities. Next point to discuss is the fact that we know that the recession probability is coming soon in 2023. Um, we have to anticipate that there's going to be some rising in unemployment with that, and that's going to dominate market discussion as we go over the next couple of months. The U.S. Treasury yield curve inverted a couple of months ago, and um, that's not a normal situation. I've been a fixed income trader for 36 years, um, always operated within a normal shape yield curve. Normal shape yield curve is positively sloping to the right, going up to the right. So therefore, lower maturities, three months to two years are going to have lower interest rates than longer duration bonds in the 10 and 30 year space. So you have a normal shaped yield curve upward sloping to the right. We've had an inverted yield curve for the last couple of months where two year notes have been yielding more than 10 and 30 year bonds, 10 year notes and 30 year bonds. That inverted yield curve usually portends that we're going to be getting a recession. Now, it doesn't always mean that we're going to have a recession. All inverted yield curves do not portend that we're going to have a recession. However, all recessions are previewed by an inverted yield curve. So that's something that we really want to focus on going into 2023. And this particular yield curve inversion is a lot stronger than others. Um, and it's been going on for a while now. The bond market is a lot smarter than the stock market. So I do think it is going to portend that we're going to have a recession. And literally two-thirds of all Wall Street economists right now are predicting that we're going to have a recession in 2023. Now, while unemployment is currently at historic lows, which the White House loves to tout, much like the previous White House under Trump likes to tout, um, this one's a lot different in such that companies are having trouble finding workers. Um, and I think a lot of the open jobs are jobs that people don't necessarily want. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people are taking multiple part-time jobs rather than some of the full-time jobs that are available that they don't want. So it kind of screws up the non-farm payroll numbers and the ADP employment numbers that we get on a monthly basis, um, showing that there are a lot more job openings right now than job seekers. It kind of distorts things. However, this is actually going to be good for the economy going forward as we start to slow 
and the Fed is raising interest rates to slow the economy, and they are hoping to increase unemployment. I know it sounds perverse that they would want to do that, but it's one of the things that they need to do in order to get unemployment under control. I don't really think you're going to see as much of a rise in unemployment as you are going to see job vacancies disappear, where corporations will just remove the job opening. All right. So rather than saying they're looking to hire 100 people, they're going to say, you know what, we're only looking to hire 10 people. And that's where you will be able to actually probably get a little bit of a soft landing um, if that is where the contraction comes from. This soft landing scenario um, is playing out currently in some of the big tech names, right? We're seeing Amazon announcing that they're laying off 17,000 people. I think a lot of that is going to be people that are not hiring and a lot of people that they've recently hired um, as they ramped up pandemic hiring to ridiculous levels. Uh, NVIDIA is another company that just announced that. Salesforce just announced big, big layoffs as well. I think so a lot of this is good for these companies because they overhired during the pandemic. So I would look for them to actually rebound as we come out the back end of this because they're taking their medicine now. Um, so again, that's Amazon, NVIDIA, Salesforce. And you can actually get a lot of access to this through an ETF um, ticker cloud, C-L-O-U. Um, I, love, I love the ticker. I love the idea. Um, just getting exposure to everybody in that cloud-based um, environment. My last macro point is along geopolitics of the Russian-Ukraine conflict, um, the tensions in China and between China and ta Taiwan. And I also am worrying about the struggling emerging markets around the world um, that have been thrown into a morass from first COVID and then a strong dollar um, really affecting the emerging markets around the world. And I am worried about how they are able to continue to keep their heads above water um, until this global economy starts to rebound. Um, some of the sectors that I'm looking at to take advantage of these geopolitical issues would be within the military industrial complex, names like Boeing and Lockheed, Martin and such like that. But also there's a lot of small U.S. suppliers to these big military producers of planes and weapons. Um, and so therefore, I think if we look at some of the small cap value stocks out there um, in 2023, um, along with the regular blue chip names, um, I think that's a really good place to position yourself um, as we're navigating these muddy waters out there. Some of the ETFs that I'm using to express that would be IFRA, which is an infrastructure ETF. Um, will capture a lot of the companies like Caterpillar, John Deere, um, Boeing, Lockheed Martin that are focusing on all this infrastructure spending and military buildup that we're doing. Um, there's another one, PAVE, P-A-V-E, which again is um, for all the domestic spending that's going to take place to get a, to, to harden our infrastructure through bridges and roads and such like that. Um, and lastly, just uh, you know, a, a very good value fund, Vanguard's VBR. VBR. Okay, so 
let's talk a little bit about this military industrial buildup. All right. So the G20 has spent a lot of treasure in Ukraine. Um, we have pretty much exhausted our supply of ammunition. We are sending them heavy tanks right now. We've sent them a ton of anti-aircraft missile, anti-drone missiles, and Patriot defense mechanism. Um, we're going to have to replace all that, right? So in order to make sure that we have protected our own national security, we're going to have to spend a lot of money domestically replacing all that stuff. So again, I love these big blue chip military industrial names going forward because of that. The flip side of all this is the U.S. government is having to borrow a ton of money to be able to finance all this. Um, and when the government is borrowing money, the cost of that money is interest rates. So what's rather perverse, if you think about it, the U.S. government is borrowing at a clip that it's never borrowed before. At the same time, the U.S. government is raising interest rates at a rate that they've never raised before. Ipso facto, it's going to really affect the operating budget of our U.S. government, er, ergo increasing our debt tremendously. And one of the things that worries me about this is that our politicians and policymakers throw around the number a trillion like it's nothing to worry about, right? But when our U.S. government debt's approaching $40 trillion, one must really ask if this is sustainable in a shrinking recessionary economy where they're not going to be bringing the revenue that they thought they were going to bring, especially over the next couple of years. And layer that with the fact that their debt service is doubling just from interest rates going up, not even accounting for how much more money. I've been involved for the last couple of years on the Debt Default Clock Committee in Washington. It's a think tank of some very smart policy wonks who have been banging the drum about this issue. Um, and it's been falling on deaf ears with our policymakers. And it's quite unfortunate. But at some point, we're going to have to pay this piper. When you think about it, just, just how much is a trillion, right? Right before Christmas, the U.S. Senate passed the two, two, 2023 spending bill the budget for the U.S. government to operate for another year. And it was $1.7 trillion with a T, right? And again, that adds on to the $40 trillion in debt we already have on the books. But what is a trillion dollars, right? Think about this. A trillion dollars is a thousand billion dollars, right? And I've got a great um, infographic um, that I got off the internet from uh, uh, Batista. And it shows what a trillion dollars looks like, okay? And just when you think about it, all right, and I'm going to draw this picture for you. If you had $100 bills, all right, and if you had a million dollars worth of $100 bills, all right, it's a pile that's literally only two feet by two feet, by a foot, right? It's a small little pile of bills to get to a million dollars, okay? And that's with $100 bills, okay? If you get to $100 million, it would be a pallet 
right? So you think about a shipping pallet, you know, so it's four foot by four foot by five feet high. That's a hundred million dollars worth of hundred dollar bills. Okay. Now let's take it to a billion, right? So what's a billion dollars look like? A billion dollars is 10 of those pallets, right? So think about that, right? You've got 10 pallets. Each one is four foot by four foot by five foot high. And you've got 10 of them in the room, right? That's a billion dollars. How much is a trillion? It would be that same stack of pallets the size of a football, right? Think about that. So if you had a stack of pallets that were five or six foot high, you could fill an entire football field. And that's what a trillion dollars looks like. And we just borrowed $1.7 billion of that to fund the government for you on top of the $40 trillion we've already got in government debt. It's really, really scary when you think about it in those terms. And I think the politicians throw this money around like it's monopoly money. Okay, so let's talk about some other things that maybe be a little cheery to go into 2023, because I really would like to think that we've got some opportunities here. All right. So looking back at last year, the S&P 500 had 63 days when it was down by more than 1%. It's pretty big, you know, volatility days, right? We had a really bad year, right? Um, S&P was down 18%, NASDAQ was down 33%, Dow Jones was down about 9% in 2023. But having 63 down days, when you only have about 220 trading days a year, 63 down days of more than 1%. And this has only happened three other times in the last 50 years. It happened in 1974, it happened in 2002, and it happened again in 2008. Well, the good news is that all three of those years that I just mentioned, the markets rebounded nicely. With the okay, so if we can hope that the past is prologue, in 1975, the market bounced back 32% after having those massive number of down days previous year. In 2003, this was after the dot-com bubble and 9-11 had busted everything. In 2003, the market was up 26%. And in 2009, after the global financial crisis in 2008 that caused all that volatility and down market, the market was up 23%. So let's hope that the past is prologue and we have another good year like that or the volatility we saw in 2020. Now, being realistic, the S&P 500 index has only fallen two years in a row, four times in the last 100 years. Okay? That's a promising little tidbit. However, when it does drop two years in a row, the second year is usually far worse than the first. So, Therefore, I'm planning on remaining cautious and diligent with my investing style in 2023 just in case. But statistically, we should do better this year. In 2023, for the most part, double legal partners, clients managed to avoid some of the worst of the blowups that we saw, especially within the fangs, like the Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google. Um, the fang stocks all had a Horrible year. Um, Facebook was down 65%. Tesla is down 65%. Um, even Amazon was down 50%. And that's a name I still love. Keep buying it. Love it. Especially AWS, the, the cloud services within Amazon. Um, but it was definitely painful 
2022. However, we did have a really strong Santa Claus rally and, you know, the fourth quarter of 22 was very, very nice for the stock market. Dow Jones bounced back 15% in the, the fourth quarter um, from its horrible earlier part of the year. Um, and the Santa Claus rally happened for the seventh year in a row. It wasn't the strongest Santa Claus rally, but it was pretty decent, and it does portend that things hopefully will continue to get better. So I thank you for humoring me and listening to my first podcast of 2023. I am really looking forward to um, connecting with all of you and helping manage your money going forward with Double Eagle Partners as partners. And if you ever have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to pick up the phone, give me a call, send me an email, send me a text. Um, I'm really looking forward to this year. Thank you very much, and have a great day.